never forget that as procurement professionals, you are absolutely essential to the functioning of a department. And your expertise is what makes those procurements happen. Welcome to another episode of the Supply Chain Ambassador Podcast. I'm your host, Bruno, helping you navigate the world of supply chain in a fun and engaging way. On today's podcast, I want to have a conversation to a dear friend of mine and a former mentor of mine who has guided me in the world of public sector procurement. Danielle Pilon is the current Director General of National Accommodations, Domestic Procurement and Asset Management at Global Affairs Canada. He has over 23 years of experience in the procurement field. Prior to his recurrent role, Dan held positions as Director of Contract Policies and Material Management in both Global Affairs Canada and the Innovation Science and Economic Development Canada. He started his career in the late 90s as a contracts administrator working for the United States Department of Defense. Dan was also co-chair of the Public Services and Procurement Canada Client Advisory Board from 2015 to 2019. He enjoys decorating his office with Star Wars trinkets, which I've seen, by the way, and growing especially spicy hot peppers while brewing his own homemade beer. With that said and done, welcome, Dan. Thank you, Bruno. It's uh, nice to see you again. And thank you for the invitation to participate in this podcast. When you reached out to me, uh, you know, to, to ask if I would participate, uh, I was really enthused. This is very innovative, right? Who would have thought 10 years ago in procurement that we would be doing podcasts on procurement, on government procurement? So thanks for the invitation. I'm, I'm enjoying my, uh, my being here with you today. I'm just as thrilled to have you on the show as well. So Dan, can you describe your journey working as a contracts administrator for the United States Department of Defense and how you got to your current role? Okay, well, well, thank you for the the intro and the, and the bio. So yeah, I've been in procurement for a long, long time. And I started off as, I guess the equivalent, I guess would, would be a, a PG-1 or a PG in development with the US military. So I straight out of university at the time in the 90s, jobs weren't posted on the internet, they were in the newspaper. So I had done uh, some newspaper scanning and, and applied for a few jobs all over the place. And I landed on this job, which was called the agency or the Defense Contract Management Command at the time. And they were looking for a contract administrator. And I had a business degree, a specialization in financial management. So I'm like, okay, I can do this. So. And lo and behold, after an interview and discussion and finding out that this was the actual U.S. military that was looking for Canadians to work for them here in Canada, uh, I got a job and I started working for the U.S. military. So the Defense Contract Management Command is a, an agency of the U.S. military, and its purpose is to manage all procurements for the U.S. military. So for the, the four major branches, so Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and basically manage all their procurements internationally. So I joined the team and from then I was trained and developed in procurement on the U.S. military under the U.S. military system. Okay. 
took a lot of courses, went to the Defense Acquisition University, which is a military university in the States, and, and got a degree uh, with the Defense Acquisition University, which then launched me, you know, trained me formally in procurement and, and it lasted five years with that organization. So did a lot of traveling, purchased a lot of things, did a lot of things, contract management, which gave me um, basically a very strong backbone for when I was approached on the Canadian government side. I had a work colleague who had heard of me and, and knew I was working on the U.S. military side and they approached me to see if I would make the switch over to the Canadian government side. So. The Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, which is the commission that that uh, basically manages all nuclear safety and nuclear re regulation here in Canada, approached me, asked me if I wanted to meet the, the director general over there. They needed someone to help out to manage and to lead the procurement team. So I met with them and then decided I got an offer. And in 2001, I uh, left the U.S. military and came to the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission. And I stayed at the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission for almost, uh, well, nine years wow. I was there. Wow. So, and uh, managed, uh, I was the, came in as the senior contracting officer, but then was eventually promoted, reclassified to the manager position, and then managed a small team of procurement officers, PGs. I lateraled over as a PG-5 equivalent, but it was like a separate employer. So it was equivalent to a PG-5 and then became uh, eventually a PG-6 mm -hmm. as the manager role equivalent. Stayed there for nine years. And then through circumstance, my DG, when I, when I was at the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission, went over to Industry Canada as the CFO. And one day in 2010, she gave me a call and said, hey, Dan, I need a manager of procurement uh, over at Industry Canada. Would you mind coming over? So we met, we chatted, and I decided to take another lateral over from the Canadian Nuclear Safety Commission to Industry Canada. Mm -hmm. Industry Canada was then renamed uh, Innovation, Science and Economic Development uh, in 2015. But I joined Industry Canada, or I said, uh, in 2010 and then became the manager of procurement over there. Eventually, uh, the position was reclassified as a director position, so an EX1. Mm -hmm. uh, so then I, I was the director doing the same job over there uh, until 2018, I believe. And then I was approached by a former colleague of mine at Global Affairs mm -hmm. and who was retiring and had given my name to the director general over there to say, hey, well, for a replacement, I know this gentleman over here. He's pretty good. And blah, blah, blah. So I met with the management team over Global Affairs and took another lateral mm -hmm. over to Global Affairs. And for the last three years, I was the director of procurement at uh, Global Affairs. And then recently, my director general retired. And uh, I applied and was uh, offered the position of Director General of National Accommodations and Domestic Procurement. So, uh, and this is where I am now. I started as DG uh, in April of this year, of 2021. So, this is where I am. Congratulations, Dan. That's quite the uh, colorful career you have. Thank you. The one thing I will say about that, if you may, if I just about career is it speaks to a few things. And, and this is a message that I'd like to pass on to people that are, you know, in the procurement community that are worried about their career and their, you know, their career paths. And um, like my example is two things. One, I took laterals. 
I, I was willing to take a chance of changing organizations on a lateral and not because I was dissatisfied of where I was or I was in conflict or I, I just, I had spent a period of time in an organization where I felt I had accomplished what I wanted to. I wasn't learning anymore. I needed new challenges. I wasn't unhappy in every department that I was. I was very happy. I knew people. You, I was recognized as an expert. I knew the job, but I wanted additional challenges. So I took laterals. And that's lesson number one I'd like to promote is don't be afraid to expand your horizon and take laterals. Don't always try to push for a promotion. Sometimes you're missing an opportunity by not taking a lateral. So keep an open mind of your career and accept laterals. For me, it, pay, it has paid off my entire career. Yeah. Second, I have been with organizations for a certain amount of time. So the US military was five years. The CNSC was nine years. I said, or Industry Canada was another eight years. And now I've been three years at Global Affairs. And that, um, I will say has served me well because I've gotten to know the department. I've gotten to know my clients, know the needs of the department. And it puts me in a better position. It always put me in a better position to be very uh, active in my department and to implement the changes that I wanted to implement. And I saw them through. So I've been there a long time. I'm not one who jumps around a lot in other departments. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily there's anything there with that. But I should be an example, hopefully, of, you know, the benefits of sticking with an organization for a while and seeing things through, right? A lot of PGs and a lot of procurement personnel um, right now, there's a lot of movement within the PG community, but there is value. There are opportunities, but there is also value and opportunities by staying with the same organization. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'll just leave it at that for, for my career progress and what I've learned uh, in those years. Um, why is the work you do there so important? I've, and I've said this in our mentorship sessions in the past, right? As a procure, at procurement professionals, we are enablers. So our departments have mandates and there are things that the department need to do, right? They all have a mandate that have objectives. Your ministers has a mandate letter and procurement is an inherent part of that. Departments, managers, clients need to procure goods and services to accomplish their mandates, regardless of which department you're in, be it D&D, IRCC, ESDC, Global Affairs, your clients need to accomplish a mandate. They need to manage their programs and they rely on procurement to deliver certain key goods and services to enable them to deliver their program. So why is it important? We are those enablers. We assist departments in reaching their program objectives. And sometimes when you're a procurement officer and you're dealing with a standing offer and you're dealing with a contractor that may be a little bit difficult or you're dealing with a client and things aren't going really well, you lose focus of that as procurement professionals. And it's always important to realize that our goal is enabling departments to meet their program objectives. And I've said this many, many times, our, our goal is it's, we're kind of like referees in a hockey game. And, and Bruno, you may remember I've said this, right? Our goal is to keep the game going. You never want to, you, sometimes you have to stop the game, realign the players, put the puck in the in the either one of the zones or in the middle, and then keep the game going. If the game stops before a natural conclusion to the game, 
everybody loses, right? So our goal as procurement professionals is to keep the game going, to enable our clients to play that hockey game, if you prefer that analogy. Um, so it is important. Uh, second, uh, procurement is complex. It's getting more complex every single day. And our clients, program managers, director generals, ADMs, they do not have the expertise to navigate the very, very complex universe that is government procurement. And our job and our role is so important because we are that expertise and the department, our, our respective departments rely on us to give that value added service. And some days when you're dealing again with your standing offers or your contracts or you're negotiating a termination settlement and you're feeling, you know, you're just seeing the the issues or you're not seeing the value in what you're doing, never forget that as procurement professionals, you are absolutely essential to the functioning of a department and your expertise is what makes those procurements happen. Wow. So that is why my job and your job as procurement professionals are very, very important. Wow. Well, what are some misconceptions about the work that you do? On the procurement side, uh, it's funny because uh, misconceptions, we're seen sometimes as bureaucrats, as paper pushers, right? And that's not the case. I mean, I've purchased everything from toilet paper to body bags to to, to professional services, to constructions, uh, construction services. We're not about pushing paper. Yes, we realize that at the end of the day, a contract is a legal document and there is a certain requirement for documentation. But what what people forget sometimes about procurement is we are solutions providers. And, and if you think yourself of a, a provider of a service and a solution, managers will come to you and say, I need, I have this problem. I need to bring in this service. I how am I going to do that? And your role is a solutions provider to say, this is how manager or Mr. Client or Mrs. Client, I'm going to get you from your problem to your solution. We're going to follow a procurement path, but here is how we're going to work it together. And here with my expertise is the best way to get you your solution. So that's a misconception is that we're not paper pushers. We are solution providers. And the more we promote ourselves as professional experts that provide solutions, procurement solutions, yeah. the better off we will be. Yeah. The The second uh, misconception or, or what I've always said is people may like Dan Pilon, the individual, and but they may not always like Dan Pilon, the procurement officer, sometimes who has to have difficult conversations with clients. And that's okay. And I think the thing that as procurement officers you have to be comfortable with is that you are, you are there with, to provide expert guidance and solution, procurement solutions. And you have to disassociate the fact that you're not there to always be liked. You are there to be effective and you are there to be efficient in your procurement and provide expert advice. But it's like, I am very comfortable with the fact that people like Dan Pilon, the individual, but they are not necessarily always like Dan Pilon, the procurement officer, not because I'm not effective, but sometimes I have to tell the client, well, we can't go down this path. We have to go down this path instead if you want to get your specific goods and service. So a misconception is it's okay to not to, to have a certain amount of 
conflict, disagreement with clients, but never forget the fact that you are a professional and you are a service provider. Mm -hmm. You're an avid collector of Star Wars items. What parallels can you draw between collecting Star Wars items and procurement and material management? <laughs> well, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, so yes, I am a bit of a, a Star Wars fanboy. So I and I realize that not all of your listenership of this podcast uh, will be. So all I will say to that is, um, you know, I look at the Star Wars movies, especially the original series, and you see the Empire, right, which is 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 the bad guy. But if you think about the logistics behind building something like a Death Star or having a fleet of star destroyers or just supplying the, the blasters for your basic soldier. And I, I, I don't want to sound like it, put this in a military context, but that was all procured. That was all organized. That was all administered by, by you know, in, in, in the Star Wars galaxy by procurement officers that work for the empires or the rebellion. So, um, you know, the, the analogies I have there is, no, you can't get away from procurement. Even in the, the long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, guaranteed procurement existed. <laughs> Second, um, we had an expression when I was in the, with the U.S. military, and, and there's a great analogy to that, that, you know, procurement people can, can, can feel, and I don't want to mater or, or uh, militarize the expression, but there is an expression that says, and this was in the U.S. military, but generals win battles, logistics wins wars, right? Mm -hmm. So you can have a general with an army that'll win a battle, but at the end of the day, if you want to win a war, you need logistics. Yeah. You need supply routes, you need, you need personnel, you need equipment, you need all that stuff. That's procurement. That's logistics, that's procurement. So, you know, the analogy of, of Star Wars is there's a machine behind all those machines that fly around and do this. And it's logistics and procurement that bought all these things. The last thing I'll say is a bit of a joke is I really would like to have seen the RFP specifications for the Death Star. Uh, you know, whether you're a, 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 a rebel sympathizer or a, or a patriot like me of the empire, someone should really should have looked at the specs of the Death Star to see that one flaw uh, maybe should have looked at that a little cleaner and and maybe it should have been negotiated differently in the RFP. <laughs> I'll never uh, watch Star Wars movies same again. <laughs> you are um, also known to enjoy growing spicy hot peppers. During your time as the co-chair of the Client Advisory Board, what would you say were the hottest trends in public sector procurement? So I was the, the co-chair from 2015 to 2019. And, and, and by the way, I'm just going to take a, a 30 seconds to plug the Client Advisory Board. The Client Advisory Board is a board that is, it's a forum. It's a consultation forum and an information forum run by PSPC, co-hosted by departments. I was the co-chair for four years. Um, it's open to all procurement personnel. They send out a monthly invitation to the meetings. I would highly encourage anybody to attend those meetings. There's no level designation. If you're interested in procurement and hearing information uh, from various you know, central agencies, uh, it's a great forum. It's free. There's no membership cost or anything. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you all to participate in that. But during those four years where I was the chair, uh, there was a lot of procurement transformation going on. So the modernization of the assets and acquired services policy suite 
which was just finalized, you know, just a, a, a little while ago, a couple of months ago, was a hot topic for the last four years. It had been going on actually for seven years. Treasury Board Secretariat was modernizing the policy suite. And from between 2015 and 2019, it was very much a hot topic, right? There was a new government that had been formed. The Liberals had just come in. And there was a push to streamline and modernize procurement. So a lot of the, the discussions at the CAB were around initiatives geared towards modernizing the procurement policies and material management policies. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, if some of you were around four or five years ago, uh, there was a term called deliverology, right? That the, the liberals had brought in when they were elected as the government. And this was a term that was in place with British governments previous to that, the UK government. And there was a big push to see, well, how could that be applied to procurement? And from that, from the deliverology approach, stemmed agile procurement, which we're still dealing with now, has been a hot topic over the last couple of years. Uh, So agile procurement was also discussed with the CAB. And last but not least, uh, EPS, the PSPC Electronic Procurement Solution. From 2015 to 2019, Public Works was dealing with that system as was trying to modernize their procurement purchasing environment. And I'm glad to see that they were successful. Uh, They did launch successfully last year, the EPS system, and they will be working with departments now to see how they can push that further into for other departments to use and to leverage the massive investment and the massive amount of work that they put in place to put that. So those were the hot topics. Some of them are still ongoing. So EPS continues to be popular, the discussions. And again, agile procurement is very much front and center. What I will say, things like social procurement and, and things like that, benefits-driven procurement, are also um, issues that are now front and center that the procurement community deals with right now. So, And if you want for more information on those, please, please go to the CAB, join the membership and uh, participate in those meetings. A lot of useful information is given at at the client advisory board. What challenges have you faced managing your work portfolio during the pandemic? Yeah, so the pandemic has been, I think for all of us, a very challenging situation. The change from a office working environment to a remote working environment obviously was very challenging, right? Everybody has lived this. The fact that we are not face-to-face anymore. We are dealing, like now we're communicating more on using technology like Zoom and like Teams and so forth to do our jobs. The fact that we rely more and more on things like email communication Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't have face-to-face meetings, you lose a lot of the intent and the messaging Mm -hmm. by that medium, right? You know, Typing in all caps has a different meaning than typing, you know, small caps mm-hmm. and, and so forth. So there, there is there has been those challenges in procurements. We, we deal a lot traditionally with documents and paper. So yeah. the move to a paperless environment has been challenging as well. So that has been, from a procurement perspective, those have been the biggest challenges. As a director, as a DG, and as a manager, managing staff remotely 
-hmm. has changed the way that that we have to manage. We were used to managing staff in a face-to-face environment. You would walk over to someone's desk and you could see that they were working. Well, now you don't have that flexibility. So you have to change how you manage people now. You have to manage people based on deliverables, on outputs, instead of the traditional seeing people at their work just typing away at their keyboard, right? Mm -hmm. So that has been challenges. It's really has forced a whole change in the management principles and management practices. This is more like from a manager perspective than a procurement perspective. Yeah. And and lastly, uh, personally, I've been at Global Affairs now for three years. And of course, the pandemic and the repatriations. And most recently, we're dealing with the, the evacuations of Afghani citizens yeah. out of that country. During a pandemic environment has been very challenging. And, and specifically, repatriation of Canadians that were all across the world last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, bringing over 60,000 Canadians back to Canada over a five-month span was a monumental amount undertaken by my department. And and so that specifically, from a personal side, that was my personal story, is that we worked really, really hard to do that uh, and with with fantastic outcomes. But um, the pandemic has changed a lot for, for in the procurement world in the you know people management world and so forth and unfortunately and fortunately it's forced us to adapt yeah. it's forced us to change to learn we've had to have been more flexible and i think in the long run i think we'll come out stronger for it but we also have a ways to go the pandemic unfortunately is not over and we still have a lot of adaptation to go but it speaks to our resilience as per as procurement professionals that we have been able to continue uh, doing our jobs in this environment under a pandemic and are, are we are as productive and as responsive as we were before mm-hmm. and that again speaks to our level of professionalism as, as procurement professionals. 60,000 Canadians back home in five months. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, how did you overcome these challenges? Keeping an open mind, you know, also being flexible, being willing to adapt. I myself, my own personal work habits had to be completely modified. I was not a believer in telework. I was not a believer in allowing my employees to telework before the pandemic. And boy, did I have an awakening, right? Did I, it required a lot of change on my part, my behaviors, my flexibility, but now I'm, I'm very comfortable with that. And I think, you know, my employees are more productive working from home than they were at the office. I've seen some great outputs during the pandemic, but it has required me to rethink a lot of my basic assumptions on how work is done. So you need to be open-minded. You need to be flexible. You also need to be patient. Yeah. You need to realize that people's, the pandemic, people's realities were totally different. As a personal example, I have two children, but they're no longer children. They're young adults, right? They are, they're actually adults. They, they don't go to school anymore. They've graduated. They've moved on. Like only one of them still lives with me. Yet I had employees that had five-year-olds that had three-year-olds that couldn't go to school. And they were, these employees were stuck managing their children at the same time as they had to work. Right? So as a manager, it required a lot of flexibility, a lot of compassion and a lot of understanding to, to, to manage this situation in the pandemic. It, it really has pushed our limits on understanding, our patience, our compassion. But again, like I said earlier, I think we've come out better for it. 
And it's taught me that, you know, we can survive and we can adapt. If we've been able to get through the last 18 months and modify and still survive, we can move forward through this and we'll, we'll be able to get out the other side and come out the better for it. How can listeners find out more information? Well, um, they can uh, they can come and invite me over for a coffee. <laughs> uh, no, but specifically, listen, uh, Global Affairs Canada, we, we have our own external website. Uh, so I would encourage you to go to our, our Global Affairs website and look up our mandate, find out what we do. Uh, we're all about diplomacy uh, and trade and international development. So if those kind of things interest you, please go to your website. I don't know if you're giving my point of contact information or my email address, uh, you know, to listeners of the podcast, but feel free to do so, Bruno, where they can reach out to me if they're interested. We do, uh, like all departments, do recruitment and staffing. So please keep your eyes on uh, jobs.gc.ca to see our, our staffing opportunities. We used to have a booth uh, every year at CPM at the CPM conference, where we would talk about what Global Affairs does. And if you're interested in opportunities, we'd have representatives there. When we go back to having face-to-face CPM conferences, uh, we intend on continuing those booths. So if we are there, please come out, stop by our booth and and ask us some questions. And lastly, I would encourage most of you, Abruna, I met you through the mentorship program. So Global Affairs is a participant of the CPM mentorship program. And I would encourage your listeners, if they're interested, to to reach out and reach out to CPM and see if they they could participate in the mentorship program as a mentee. Mm -hmm. And you will meet a lot of people from Global Affairs because we do offer a lot of mentors to this program. We're a firm believer in the program, but that will give you an opportunity to learn more about Global Affairs Canada. Fantastic. I Yeah, I, I don't hand out personal information uh, to my listeners. It's just mostly, uh, I introduce you and they get to know you a little bit more and yeah. Just okay. FYI, yeah. Well, I'm on Geds, so they can find me uh, on Geds. <laughs> so uh, don't look up my home phone number, but, but you can find me on, uh, on Geds. On <laughs> Any call to action for our listeners? Two things. Um, so what I would what I would say is, you know, as PGs, stay engaged, stay plugged in to your departments and to the community. Get engaged, like yourself, Bruna. You know, start a podcast join a discussion group, go on GCpedia and the procurement forums, look up subjects, you know, stay engaged with uh, trends and hot topics and discussions, network with your procurement colleagues. Uh, it will be invaluable to you. And and there are a lot of opportunities. They're not only in procurement, but traditional, traditional procurement, but material management, real property. There are PGs in all of those fields. And there are a lot of opportunities in the government of Canada. Second, don't be afraid to take risks. Uh, Again, I moved on to laterals. I took laterals and that has always paid off for me in my career. Don't be afraid to explore your options and look at what's possible out there. There are a lot of career opportunities out there, but there are also even within your own departments. There's a lot of things that as PGs we can learn, we can get involved in. So don't be afraid. Be fearless. Take your career into your own hands, control, but also don't be afraid to take risks. Thank you so much, Dan. I've learned quite a bit uh, today. I will leave this podcast with the quote of the day today, which is from Jay Lauren Norris, who is a conference speaker, a TV host, an author, and a world-class storyteller. Who once said, if you cannot see where you're going, ask someone who has been there before. 
I really like that podcast. And I think, uh, you know, having you as a mentor for me, it rings true. And um, yeah, any last words? Well, I just want to thank you. This has been very entertaining. Um, you know, uh, an old guy like me would never have thought that there would be podcasts on procurement, uh, you know, in this day and age. So, so kudos to you, Bruno, for putting this in place. I think it's very innovative. I think that it's very original. I think this is a great initiative and I wish you well. And uh, anybody, if you're interested, if you ever see me in a hallway somewhere virtually or, or at the next CPM conference, please stop by and say hi. I'd be more than happy to chat. Good luck to you, Abrana. Perfect. Thank you, Dan. Take care.